We process the pigs when they're at a particular weight. We're not hard and fast that we've got to get the pigs to a particular weight in a certain number of days. We're not precious about that. We're more interested in the quality of the product than, than only being interested in the cost to get the, pr the product to market. This is The Crackling. I'm Anthony Huckstep. After decades as a horticulturalist, Andrew Hearn had a yearning to get out to the country and grow nutrient-rich organic vegetables and help replenish the soil and the land. It wasn't long before he became enamoured by the teachings of organic pioneer Joel Salatin, who inspired him to introduce pigs to his farm. With the firm belief that it is important to connect with the food you eat, he's now producing some of Australia's very best pork. Andrew, your farm is on the New South Wales mid-north coast, just inland from Port Macquarie. What is it about that region that's so good for farming pigs? Um, well, at one stage it was really, really great because there was an abattoir literally just up the road, which um, is very helpful, but that's not the case anymore. I guess what um, what's really useful is that um, the climate is the climate is quite is quite good and in that it's it's usually it's usually fairly even temperature wise and there's reliable rain rainfall most of the, most of the time it's usually you know we get about 1400 mils of rain in an average year so um, that's good what led to the move to Port Macquarie and start a farm Oh, I was um, when I was twelve. I declared I wanted to be a farmer. I guess that was born out of, I guess that was born out of my um, growing growing up. We, my parents had friends, family friends who owned farms, and I don't know, three or four weekends a year, we'd load the all, you know, jump into the car and head off to a the sheep farm in Taranā or a an orchard, an apple orchard in orange and spend the weekend and, you know, the kids, us kids would just run right around the farm and it was, I loved it. Um, I also had a grandfather that enjoyed growing, growing food and I guess that's, you know, that's what inspired me to, to follow the dream to, to become a farmer. I mean, it took me 43 years to get here, but um, here we are, you know, and and we're, I think we're turning it out. Um, well, tell us about that uh, decision to move to where you are and, and how it all started. Um, okay, well, I met I met my wife and sort of said, "Well, look, this is my dream." And thankfully, she said, "Yeah, I could, I can, I can be, I can, you can, you know, enrol me in that too." So we um, we sort of set some parameters. Um, we figured that. We need to be no more than four hours out of Sydney and no more than an hour from the coast. So we spent, um, we, we, made, we had this plan that, you know, we'd spend a year researching. So we'd go away one weekend a month and, um, and look at, you know, certain areas. And Port Macquarie was pretty good. It had a, a big population. It had, um, it had a good hospital. Um, and at that stage... And and that that was 
you know, that was why we chose where, where we where we are. And then we found then we found this property which was ideal for what we wanted. Um so here we are. And I mean in, in many ways, I suppose like most urban people or tree changes, there were lots of there were lots of things that we didn't that we should have made certain of about the property that we didn't, but um that's part of the that's part of the journey. Well, what were some of the challenges in the early days that you can tell us about? Oh, believing the real estate agent when he said we'd have no problems obtaining a water license. Because, um, you know, they, they don't ha- they do, they're not handing out any more water licenses. And um, buying, buying water licenses from existing, hold, existing water license holders, are, um, farmers are pretty attached to their water licenses, even if they're not using them anymore. So, we, um, so that, was, that was the main one. Um, that was, that was the, that was the main thing, just not doing, not doing due diligence, sort of having, having starry eyes about the other infrastructure on the property. Cause we bought the property primarily to, for me to, to start a vegetable growing business. Cause I'm a horticulturalist by training. And, um, there was lots of, you know, the, the ad said nothing about the, the two poly houses and the, Additional shedding that was on the that that was would have been that was useful for what we wanted to do. So um, yeah, we just didn't have we didn't have water. So we ended up we ended up sinking a bore and getting a water license for the bore that way. So you mentioned the move was about vegetables originally. Tell us about um, your farming practices and and what's at the core of it to produce quality vegetables. Um. Okay, so there's there's probably a few things. One, I mean, the way we the way we raise our the way we well the way we grow anything, whether it be plant or or animal, is um, as much in tandem with nature as we possibly can. We don't use um, we certainly don't use pesticides. We haven't done. I mean, the, the property. <laughs> The property was a um, was a, a horse a horse farm horse hobby farm for the fifteen years before we bought it, and they hadn't used herbicides on it. And when we turned up, the neighbours well, apparently there was a book being run in the valley about how long we'd last because we were um, we were clearing clearing the paddocks manually. You know, they were kind of like, oh, just spray it once and be done with it. It's kind of like, well, no, we're pretty we're pretty clear we're not going to do that. So. Um, but yeah, we there's you know with with our pigs now there's there's no tail docking there's obviously no sow stalls the animals live their entire lives outdoors with rudimentary shedding protection from the from the elements and um, it's 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 yeah it's really enjoyable. What's what's life uh, on the farm like for for the pigs that you have? Well. I guess you could say it's um it's everything a pig could want. There's um there's really great food laid on. They've got wonderful wallows and really we do really good mud here. So uh that goes well for them. Um there's we've planted a lot of shelter belts, endemic endemic trees, which they um get to lounge under. Tell us about the decision to start growing pigs. So um, when when we first arrived, one of the books 
that um, was by a guy called Joel Salatin, um, titled You Can Farm. And in it, he, um, you know, goes through lots of lots of things. But one of the things I remember him saying is that it's far easier to raise and market um, $50 worth of protein than it is to raise and market $50 worth of vegetables. And that sort of stuck with me a bit. And I went, no, that can't be right. And while it's probably a little easier now, it certainly was kind of difficult at the time. So um, we decided to, to look at some form of livestock. We've only got 22 acres here, so anything larger than pigs was, um, was not, really, not really viable. And we could do it with minimal infrastructure. So everything's, you know, everything's portable here. They're run on, they're contained on double-strand electric fence. They're... Um, all their, all their feed troughs and water troughs are movable and transporting them could be done in, you know, a, a cage on the on a box trailer. So we um we got two pigs and I liked them and they liked me and away we went. How did you decide on on what breed to to choose and and what was what was the decision based on? The decision, well, we did, did some research, spoke to some fellow growers, and because we're raising the animals outdoors, well, there's, there's a number of things. There's, um, we were, obviously, we were going for a, a niche, a quality, a quality, quality product with a niche market, so a heritage breed with really good intramuscular fat was was one attribute we wanted um, raising commercial white or pink pigs outdoors is not viable because they get sunburnt so obviously a um a dark or black a black pig for one of a better term is works much better as better outdoors so those were the the two main reasons that we chose. Initially, we had we had Wessex saddlebacks because there's a registered grower down in the not far from here, and then we um, we got given a couple of of, of bark shears because um, their owners liked the way we were raising pigs and they wanted to get out of pigs. So that's um, that's how we ended up with bark shears. What was it like transferring from you had the background of being a horticulturist, you were growing veggies and you introduced animals to the to the mix. Was it was there some challenges um dealing with the pigs early on? Oh yes. Absolutely. Um loading loading pigs. Loading pig I mean I it's it's quite it's funny. I, I now it's funny. It's interesting because now I I get to see other people who have who have been you know who have been in the pig game like us back then for sort of six months, and I watch how they handle pigs when we help them with transport and things like that. Um, yes, there were lots of challenges containing pigs, um, learning how to handle them, and you know, like that's why we that's why we started very very small with just two pigs. But um, there are, uh, I mean, you know, there are always interesting moments when you're dealing with when you're dealing with livestock. 
particularly when you want them to go one way and they have absolutely no intention of doing that anytime soon. What is what is it? Never, never, never wrestle a pig in the mud. In in mud, because after half an hour, you realise they're enjoying it. Well, give us a sense of the average day on the farm um, for you. These days, it's primarily there's well, there's a there's an on week and an off week, and as in there's a a week where I spend a lot of time on the road transporting and um, distributing our animals because we do that ourselves, but. A general farm day will be up first, up at first light, and feed myself, and then go out and prepare the feed for the pigs. Which is, um, we also give them a um, a large amount of whey each day, which because we recycle or repurpose a lot of pig feed from from the local from local businesses. So we get we get about fifteen thousand liters of whey every three weeks. So that gets fed to them in addition to water. Um, they have a they have a grain ration which we mill here on the farm. It's primarily wheat with a proprietary protein and, and vitamin additive. And then we also use um, we rescue soaked barley from the local craft brewer in at Port Macquarie. And there's uh, also a, a regular quantity of fruit and vegetable from a food processor also in Port Macquarie and then when when there's when someone makes a mistake or there's overproduction at the local cheese factory we can get vast quantities of pallet containers of cream or feta so um the pigs have a varied diet what sort of impact does this uh, varied diet have on uh, the outcome of of the the meat Oh, we like to think it's what it's it's what it's it goes a long way to you know what we what how our animals taste and what they produce. Um, it's the variety, like you know, like us. Hopefully, they're happy with it. Um, I mean, I I must admit, I haven't you know, I'm not I'm not that interested in doing an A B testing like running a running a litter of pigs on one particular diet through to market and running another litter of pigs on without without whey. I mean, the, the thing we've found with whey is that initially one of the problems we had was a very high fat content. We would be getting fat scores of regularly in excess of 25 mil, which for the general public is not really desirable. There are some chefs that are quite quite like that sort of fat content but um we've realized that with the way it um reduces their grain intake without affecting their ability to gain weight so it um it minimizes it's brought our fats fat scores down to reliably they're around 15 mil now what surprised you about pig farming i'm i'm surprised i'm surprised at the how how intelligent the animals are, how um, and how they really do. How well, certainly the sows, because you have different personalities, and uh, yeah, that that's that's really that that's something that I find quite interesting. Aside from the general growing and raising of of, of the pigs, 
and that that also makes it makes it a bit hard because you tend to get attached to the sows. You know, you're feeding an animal for every day for four or five years. You get get up close and personal. So, tell us about um, when you first started selling your product. How, how did the process of selling your pork begin? Um, we were we've always been committed to direct marketing to connect direct with our customers. Um, so we were at farmers markets in locally here on the mid north coast and in 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 Sydney a weekly market in Sydney and we just we were doing we did a range of we did fresh veg we had a range of um, preserves from our vegetables and eggs pasture raised eggs and we added the pork to the mix and it it went from there. Where does your pork end up these days? Our pork is in in Sydney and Newcastle, Hunter Valley, and here on the mid north coast. Either either directly through online sales or through um, a couple of providors in in Sydney and Newcastle, and also also direct to some um, some chefs here on the on the mid north coast. What's some of the chefs and restaurants that have been champions of of your of your product? Um, here on the mid north coast, there's two triple four and Drury Lane Eatery, and also um, Richie and Carla at the Hilltop Store. Um, Muse in the Hunter Valley and Yellow Billy, and then um, Danielle at Fred's in Paddington. She's been she's been a big champion. Have you had a chance to eat your pork in restaurants, and and how does it make you feel? Yes, yes, we have. Um, it's it's really it's a really good feeling, and and more so, more so, not actually not so much eating our pork in the restaurants, but seeing other people eat our pork in the restaurants is what um, is what's most pleasing and and gratifying. Just the reaction that they have to see people to see people enjoying some eating something that you've produced is um, is always heartening. Who's the cook in your house? Is pork on the menu quite a bit at home? Um, yes, pork is pork is on the menu, um, and my wife Therese is the cook in the house most most definitely. What, what's the signature dish of the house when it comes to pork? The signature dish of the house when it comes to pork. In well, certainly in winter is um, a beautiful piece of of neck um, poached in milk with some lemon and sage. That's um, that's a that's a favourite here. Particularly if we can get some some local um, buffalo milk. You made a, a tree change. Um, what is it that's so special about being on the farm for you? Oh, being. <laughs> What's so special about being on the farm? Being able, be, being able to, in many ways, being able to do, being able to partner nature, being a, being being a partner with nature in, in what you do, and you know, like raise, rising with the sun or before the sun, not necessarily attached to an alarm, and because um, you know, Mother Nature's the the silent partner, the, the silent partner with a controlling interest in our business, and um, every now and then she 
whips your butt and lets you know that she's still there. But yeah, it's um, it's it's. I just love waking up. We've got a really, you know, we've got a really great outlook where the house is house is positioned. Every day, every day's a every day's a great day here. How has pork? How has pig farming uh, changed your life? Well, um, farming has changed my life in that the in that the realization of the just the whole realization about food and how it's grown and how it's marketed and um even the even the you can you really do come to realize that you are what you eat when when before we moved here i mean we we believed we ate well you know we shopped at shopped at colesworth and did the did the usual things but um once you once you start you know once you start what what happened to us i think i re- i think i saw a a documentary called The World According to Monsanto and kind of like, you know, that makes you sit up and listen and then you then you go and watch Food Inc and then you read a book by um, Michael Pollan called The Omnivore's Dilemma and you just keep – you it, it, it sort of gets – you get to the stage where you either – either you keep digging and find out more and more and more or you just walk away and, and you don't want to look. But it's really – opened our eyes to how important the connection with what you eat has on your health and and the health and the, you know the health of society and the health of environment and thankfully more and more people are finding out about are realizing this um, for too long we've believed in trusting the so-called authorities that connection that you fostered with with the land and with um, growing pigs um, tell, tell us about the land and the importance of uh, the environment um, and particularly the soil well everything everything comes from the soil um, you can't you can't raise you can't raise good plants or good animals on bad soil so we need to you know we need you know we we need to care for the soil what um you know we exist we exist because of the the top 6 inches of the layer of the earth and and the fact that it rains um and we, and and culturally we you know generally we don't so um once again with regenerative agriculture becoming more and more prevalent people are becoming aware of of that it's it's necessary to protect and rejuvenate our soil and it's where it's you know there's there's a connection there's a connection between the health of the health of everyone's gut and gut flora linked to the soil that you food that you eat how it's grown with there's so much we still we're still to discover about that connection tell us about what you've done to um, to the soil where you are to make it um, work and create these amazing vegetables and pigs. We um, well, we we rotate we rotate the pigs through the fields so that they're they're not on any any one area area of the farm for for too long. Um, we plant cover crops following the pigs so that the they feed the soil and the um, organisms in the soil and provide cover over the soil. 
we spray around um, biodynamic preparations four times a year. Um, what else do we do? Oh, well, we make we make compost. We make lots of compost and plant. You know, plant following following the lunar cycle because we believe that that has an impact on on the quality of the plants. All of these things that you're doing to um, help um, the soil and working with Mother Nature as best you can, uh, why is what you do in that way so important? Because we, be- we believe that it makes our food taste better and have a higher nutrient density. And, and that, I mean, I get that's a, that's the short answer, and that's that's why that's why we do it. We believe, you know, the the flavour of it, it's it's like it's like wine. You should be able to taste the mid north coast in or our, even our valley in in what we produce. That's why it's that's why it, that's one of the reasons why it tastes the way it does. And obviously, the love that the love that we pour into doing what we do. Tell us about um, small producers like you. You mentioned nutrient-rich, nutrient-dense produce. Um, Is it what's? How is that different to large-scale farming these days? And what what sort of contribution is smaller producers like you making? Uh, I guess. I guess nutrient dense. Nutrient density is. It's an attribute that is more prevalent in small with small producers. Um, it takes it take like we don't. I guess the best way to describe it is with the pigs. We we process the pigs when they're at a particular weight. We're not we're not hard we're not hard and fast that we've got to get the pigs to a particular weight in a certain number of days. So we're not if it if it takes an extra. Two or three weeks for a pig to get to, you know, it's seventy-five kilos. Then that's what it is. We're not, we're not precious about that. So I mean, of course, it costs us more money in feed, and you know, time. But that's 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 how it is. Um, we're more interested in the we're more interested in the quality of the product than 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 the cost of well. Than only being interested in the cost to get the, pr- the product to market. You've won accolades for the quality of the pork that you produce. So, what are you most proud of? I'm most proud of our consistency. We've we've that that's. I mean, obviously the the initial award or two was really really great, but to be able to to do that over over six years is is very very pleasing pleasing. Um, and and to be you know to be to be recognised within the within the industry by our peers, it's good. I mean, the best, probably the best, the best thing is um, is is having having our um, we do an event here on the farm called Meals in the Fields, and uh, it's 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 pleasing to have you know eighty people sitting at a. At a long table in your in your front paddock, sitting down to a four course meal with produce grown from your farm, along with those of other small producers on the mid north coast, 
You had uh, Chef Richie Dolan cook for one of those. What what did what did he dish up, and what was it like? It was um, it was beautiful. There was there would have been oh I, there would have there would there would have been a, a duck entree from because we Barawong Guyan uh, just uh, up at, in the next valley from us, and they're good friends of ours. So they uh, they would have we used some Barawong duck. They did um, he did three wiener pigs on a open open fire, and so there was you know suckling pig with with um, fire roasted pumpkin, and um, and then Carla did a, a beautiful dessert. It yeah, it was a very it was a very special event. We're looking forward to doing that again in. At Easter, we've been uh, with the drought and COVID. Obviously, we've been a bit constrained of late the last few years, but um, we're looking forward to doing that again. And it's it's a big undertaking. It's like it's like holding a wedding. You've uh, made an incredible tree change to produce some of Australia's best uh, pork. Um, but, but what is it that you love about what you do? Connecting connecting with our community, connecting with. Um, We've got some. We've had. We've got customers that we've been feeding for for eight to ten years now, and um, just that's that's very very pleasing and and gratifying. Um, and being just being being part and being part of this industry is um, it's really really rewarding. The ability to you know it is it's it is quite noble to grow food for your community. I love it. What's next for Near River Produce? Um, what's next? Basically, I mean, what's the most immediate thing is to is to get back to supplying our um, our restaurants and chefs that once they as they reopen, and and may that may that continue to continue to happen. Um, and then from there, I oh, look. There'll be there'll be some there'll be some growth. But um, we're pretty we're pretty happy with where we are and how things are going. Well, Andrew, there's a lot of uh, chefs and consumers very happy with where you are and, and what you're doing as well. We've loved having you on the Crackling today to hear just a part of your story. Please keep in touch, and uh, we'll catch up again soon. Thanks, Huck, and thanks so much for the opportunity. This is the Crackling, a deep in the weeds production in partnership with Porkstart. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we catch up with some of Australia's best chefs and pork producers to discover what makes Australian pork so special.